0: Welcome to episode 185 of the DFS Dose Podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Halver, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion, and on today's show, we're going to be recapping our results from week 13 in the NFL on DraftKings, reflect on some of the key decision points from the slate, and of course, close out the show by taking a look at the most interesting stats and storylines from the week. If you're new to the podcast and like what you hear, you can support us by subscribing on whatever podcast platform you use, whether that be Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Podcast Addict. You can also find us on YouTube at the DFS Dose, where we produce fantasy content all week, every week, and live stream on Saturdays. Finally, our Discord channel is open and available, free to join. The link to do so is in the description to the podcast. Joey, this week 13 slate was just like nonstop action. It was actually a relatively good slate of NFL football for once.
1: Yeah, there there was a lot of good just pure NFL games and a lot of high scoring players on DraftKings this week. So for cash games, my results, my lineup ended with 169.28 points, which was good enough to just barely get over the cash line. Shout out to me. Um, mm-hmm. decided to play Minchu and Foster Moreau and Devontae Parker, which we'll talk about the process behind that and just jam everybody in this week. So it was a good cash game week. But in terms of uh, GPPs, um, I think I should just stop playing them, bro.
0: Yeah. Did you scrape any min caches out,
1: bro? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like I haven't even cashed in like the Millie maker in in like Six weeks.
0: Hey, that means you're playing it right. You know, it should be first or worse. So if you don't have first, I you know, I don't want that min cash. I want to know that I had a crazy lineup that was probably ass, so... (laughs) Yeah, I mean I I played I want to say like 10 GPP teams yesterday and I cashed in zero of them. So, you know, that's <laughs> always fun just burning that money. Uh my highest scoring lineup was my cash lineup like by far. Put up yeah. 174.08, which was good enough to win 55% of my head to heads. I mean, it's crazy that 174 was like a middling lineup, but I mean that's just the kind of week it was like all the chalk smashed glad i was able to cash in double ups it was it was looking dicey there for you know about like halfway through the second set of games when cooper cup had like one catch or something like that i thought i was chalked, but um <laughs> you know shout out to cup we'll get to that as the show goes on as well. In terms of cash game decision points, I thought there were some really easy spots on this slate, but there was also a lot of optionality. Like with the running back position, there were different ways you could go. You know, once Minshew opened up, I thought that he was a stone cold lock. He only came in at 30% owned in DraftKings cash games, which I thought was pretty low for a 4K quarterback in a good spot. Um, you said you played Minshew as well. Mm-hmm. Foster Moreau was a lock in my opinion. And just with with the all the savings that we had, I thought it was the clear cut right move to go jam them in with Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor.
1: Yeah, I was right there with you in terms of process. I was playing Gardner Minshew at the Stone Men against this terrible Jets defense. And Foster Moreau at twenty seven hundred was obviously a stone lock for cash games, so that left basically one spot that you had to punt, and you played Sony Michelle. I played Devontae Parker. I guess that's kind of where I messed up was. I probably should have played Sony Michelle, one hundred percent. And I'm just glad that I barely got over the cash line. With keeping Devontae Parker in and, and playing Antonio Gibson, Eli Mitchell, and JT as my three running backs, but definitely a bad process decision by not playing Sony Michelle on my part uh, and got a favorable result, though. But yeah, 169 for me wasn't a great score, especially when a lot of the Chalks succeeded and a lot of the Sharps actually played Tom Brady over Gardner Minshew, which I was uh, surprised to see there. There was a couple of trains in cash games, uh, so I was just glad to get over the cash line by not playing one of those trains.
0: Yeah, You know, the Sony Michelle thing was interesting because we got the report overnight on Saturday that Daryl Henderson was, like, not likely to play, and then we got a report right before Locke that Daryl Henderson actually was likely to be active but not be the feature back, so I don't know. I I made the decision to roll with Sony. I kind of didn't believe that, you know, if Hendo was legitimately that questionable that they would you know, force the issue with him, especially in a game where the Rams should have had full control and they did, they won by 30 points. So it seemed like it was a pretty easy spot to just, you know, fade the noise and go with Sony Michelle. And he ended up being like 42% in cash games. So most people were on that same wavelength of thought. I didn't think it was necessarily like a stone cold lock just because of the uncertainty that we had with the Daryl Henderson stuff. And because the strength of the position was so good, the trio that you played was the trio that I had in cash all week long with Mitchell Gibson and Taylor. I, I personally just didn't feel very comfortable with Devonte Parker as my third punt in this lineup, so I wanted to get off of him, you know, going down from Mitchell to Sony Michelle allowed you to get up to a 5K wide receiver instead of Devontae Parker. And I played Brandon Ayuk, which I mean, you know, really didn't do much for you because Parker outscored Ayuk. So like, you know, that's tough, but didn't really uh, anticipate the George Kittle nuclear game. And, and, you know, Brandon Ayuk only having three receptions in a game without Debo, but all, all the running backs scored. So you basically needed to not play Jamal Williams and eat that L, and you basically needed to have Cup and Godwin. And as long as you had that combo of players... You were good this week.
1: Yep. Actually, the train that I was referring to had Jamal Williams in it, and it scored 187.32. It was a massive train ran by a lot of the well-known DFS Sharps in in Wales. It was Tom Brady with Gibson, Jamal Williams, Sony Michelle in the flex, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Hunter Renfro, Foster Moreau, and Dolphins D. So that lineup ended up being a train. And it ended up scoring pretty much well above every other lineup uh, that was that was ran in cash yesterday. So
0: interesting. I'm surprised that 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 lineup sharp's got love.
1: There. They're the 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 well known DFS guys in the sharps and and touts that make content. They love Jamal Williams for some reason, especially when you get him at 5400 in in the uh, Lions RB one row with no Swift even though I mean, uh, Jamal Williams isn't good
0: and the Lions suck. <laughs> hey, hang on. That's a lot to unpack. The Lions suck. <laughs> All right. Sorry. One in time. Thank you. Walk off touchdown. Let's go. Amon Ross St. Brown. <laughs> I just I had to get that out there. That was so clutch, man. God, what a game yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. As far as Jamal Williams goes, though, like I was never playing him in cash. No, never. like he was a he was a bad play before Sony opened up, and the fact that like Sony opened up made it like a hundred times worse, in my opinion, because like, yeah, you you couldn't even justify s- the salary savings anymore of getting off of Gibson or Mitchell. Well, they just to go played down Brady, to That's
1: why they played Brady and and got up to Renfro, who had a pretty decent game. So, I mean, it, it worked out, and they played Dolphins D, which was the best on the slate so it worked out and you know the train ended up getting there not much else to say about it to be honest
0: all right well that about sums up cash games uh as far as the decision points and why we went the ways that we went we can get into some interesting stats and storylines, a couple of which come from these cash game core of players, starting off with Chris Godwin, who had 15 receptions, which set a franchise record for the Bucks, and it was also the most of any player this season. We only get a couple of these monster receiving games, or reception games, I should say, you know, a couple times per year from players, and this was Godwin's game. I mean, just unreal. Like, obviously, Brady came out slinging, like, by the end of the first quarter, he was on pace for, like, 80 pass attempts. I know we finished with, like, 50-something, But, I mean, God, the fact that Chris Godwin had five receptions in, like, the first drive, you just knew he was off to the races yesterday.
1: Yeah, Chris Godwin had a massive day, and, you know, we talked about early in the week, like... Do you play Chris Godwin or do you play Deontay Johnson for 200 more? And the games happen and they score within 0. 0.3 of each other. So it really didn't matter which one you played. But Chris Godwin ate yesterday, pretty predictable going up against the Falcons. And, you know, to win GPPs this year, all you have to do is play the Bucs, play the Rams, and sail to the money and play yeah, Chris, who God- who play Chris Godwin coming. every single week. <laughs> like he's going to have floor weeks, but this dude's ceiling is as high as as any other receivers in the NFL I think uh, especially with Tom Brady and the fact that the Bucks just do not want to run the ball for whatever reason
0: yeah except for last week when they wanted to jam four net down everybody's throat <laughs> but yeah in general they I mean god just they, the the pass rate yesterday was insane just watching that game like you could have onslaughted the Bucks and gotten there like godwin Evans was so close. He finished with 99 yards, which is, I mean, truly unfortunate for people who played Evans. Godwin at one point had 99 yards and it looked like he got injured. And I, I was like going to cry, but he came back in and racked up like six more catches. I'm like, <laughs> all right, bet. Let's go. So shout out to Godwin. Just an absolute stud. The Bucks wide receiver won, in my opinion. Yep. Speaking of elite wide receivers, man, Cooper Cup yesterday became the first player in NFL history to rack up a hundred catches and 10 touchdowns in the first 12 games for his team. And there's this debate going around right now. You know, is Cooper cup, a top five wide receiver in the NFL? I think to say that he isn't is just complete blasphemy. He's on a record setting pace. I don't know the things that Cooper cup is doing right now. I I don't think it's like, he's not a system wide receiver. I don't think you could just plug anybody in there and they would be doing what Cooper cup is doing right now.
1: I mean, I disagree just because I think that yes, he is having the best season. So if you want to go based off that, then he probably is the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. But how I like to view it is if I'm starting a team today, is he in the top five receivers, right? Like, is he going to be a top five receiver picked? And if you say yes, you're just on drugs. No cap. I mean, he's not. There, there's you, you, no. Idea. You're not picking
0: the guy. You're not picking the guy who's setting records, setting NFL records in his prime.
1: I am taking, and I think these wide receivers are better than Cooper Cup, more talented than Cooper Cup, disregarding their stats this year. You know, some of them have been dealing with injuries. I think Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, and like. It's Three other wide receivers over at Cooper Cup. If I'm starting a team,
0: if you're starting a fantasy draft, uh, who's the first one you're taking?
1: He is a, okay. So he is a top five wide receiver if you're going based off this year's stats. I don't think he's a top five receiver. Talent is a better way to phrase it. Is that better?
0: I guess that's better. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I, I can't like argue that because i'm not sitting there watching tape like yeah like jamar chase is probably more talented justin <laughs> jefferson is definitely more talented like, like you're Devo- like Devontae adams is definitely more talented like, like if you're okay, a gm like can you're, you're
1: taking those guys above cooper cup 10 out of 10 and like if you put chris godwin in that role if you put keenan allen in that role you're telling me that they aren't doing the same as cooper cup i don't know man they are obviously a lot of it has to do with coach with scheme and obviously he's in the like, he's with one of the best coaches in the NFL in one of the best schemes. And obviously it's great to, to scheme up Cooper cup being wide open half the time. Like you can't fault Cooper cup for that, but I don't think he's a top 10 receiver in talent in terms of talent. And, and just in terms of talent, I think he is the fourth most talented wide receiver in his own division.
0: Um, I'm trying to like rack my head around that statement.
1: D hop DK and Debo, I think are all more talented than Cooper cup. And I'd rather have them right now if I'm starting a team.
0: Let's move on, man. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. <laughs> you know, it's always going to be a tough week for us on Giraffe Kings when one of these tight ends decides to go fully nuclear, especially the high price guys like George Kittle did yesterday, ended up being the highest scoring player on one of the highest scoring slates. Of the season, Kittle went nine for 181 and two on 12 targets, put up 42 points on DraftKings. And for me, man, like when that happens, I just know that I'm not winning any tournaments that week because there's I probably pay up at tight end in tournaments like twice per year. And this was not one of those weeks, especially with all the value we had.
1: Yeah. I mean, double tight end won the Millie. So it's like it did, you know, we're not winning the Millie on a week where you got to play two tight ends and George Kittle, obviously great player. Like we know his ceiling and he does have these eruption games in his range of outcomes, but it's only what once or twice a year where Mm -hmm. those happen. So just unfortunate that it happened this week. Uh, he was 7% owned in the so it's not like you were getting him at one or 2% ownership. A couple people were on him this week and he was the best play 6k and under it ended up being and it ended up being he was the best play on the slate i'm just never paying up for tight ends i've i've come to that you know conclusion like if yeah, it, if it kills I- me it kills me I'll take the L that week.
0: And then when you have to pay up for two tight ends because Dallas Goddard was in that (laughs) milli winner too. Imagine that, paying up for two tight ends on DraftKings. I mean, God, I guess that's how you get different in a tournament with a field of 100,000 people.
1: Yeah, a field of, what, 192,000 entries. It is very unique to run double tight end. I think in the long run, it is definitely negative EV to do so uh, just because there is a lot of sample size to see that double tight end rarely ever has uh top one percentile finishes but this week it did Dallas Goddard was the best play 5k and under at any position and mm-hmm. he finished with 31 points so yeah you needed a combo of those two guys and just wasn't on it this week you didn't have to pay up for Goddard though he was 4,500 I don't really consider that paying up but Kittle Kittle you definitely did, and He just uh, jammed it down everybody's throat. But at least I uh, had him against you in one of our fantasy leagues where the playoff race is close. So
0: Yeah, thank God for that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still so salty about that, man.
1: Yeah, my boy Javante.
0: Yeah. who you got on this Um, list
1: too, snapped on you too.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Great. Great for you. Let's talk about another tight end in Kyle Pitts who... Look, I I don't I don't know what to say about Pitts. He hasn't had more than 62 receiving yards since week seven. I mean, yesterday, Russell Gage was out there operating as the Falcons top pass catcher. Dude, Russell Gage had 11 catches for 130 yards. Like, I'm looking at that and I'm like, dude, why is that not Kyle Pitts? I mean Kyle Pitts this season as a rookie he he had those couple of blow up games you know at the midpoint in the year then he gets the ultimate pure run out with Calvin Ridley sitting out for a extended period of time and you just think that all right well Kyle Pitts is now set up to absolutely smash his ADP should be a target monster even more than he already was and that's just not the case man I don't know if he's just suffering from you know the traditional rookie tight end slump that we know is you know a historic trend We kind of thought that he would buck that trend, and it looked like maybe he would early in the year, but it's just been a really highly disappointing second half of the season for Kyle Pitts up to this point.
1: Yeah, Kyle Pitts has been extremely disappointing, but I don't think it's, you know, due to him as a player or his talent. Obviously, he's like the most talented tight end to ever come out of college football, which is why he was drafted fourth overall, right? But it's just he's in one of the worst systems with a declining quarterback on an offense that is just terrible and and doesn't you know have an identity and really doesn't use anybody at a high rate besides patterson now yeah it is it is a lost season for kyle pitts maybe that should have been predictable and we should have thought about that a little bit more in the off season especially with him going to atlanta like we know we just know atlanta is a terrible franchise like terrible team terrible franchise
0: They've been god awful for years, like, and with Matt Ryan, they had one good year. Declining, it's like it's tough. Yeah, yeah, the one good year.
1: It's so frustrating, just because they've always had talent, and you know they they've had fantasy producers, but with Arthur Smith at head coach and Matt Ryan who is declining, and the offensive line is horrible, and they have no run game either. The offense is just in shambles, and. That has hurt Kyle Pitts' ceiling uh, for sure this season, but at least you didn't have to draft him in the first round like
0: Travis Kelsey. True that. Just had to burn a a fourth, fifth round pick on him, but that's okay. On the subject of offensive rookies, man, where do you think we're at right now with Offensive Rookie of the Year? Because early in the season, it looked like Jamar Chase was just going to run away with this award, but right now he is no longer the favorite. He's plus 350. The favorite, Joey, is your boy, Mac Jones, and he's a heavy favorite at that minus 500. And I think, I mean, we're recording this on Monday afternoon before the Bills Patriots game, but this, this award could be decided tonight. You know, if Mac Jones goes into Buffalo and comes out with the dub, I, I think offensive rookie of the year is locked up at that point.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. No bias either. It's going to be hard for the NFL to give the award to a wide receiver or running back over Mac Jones, especially if the Patriots make the playoffs in his rookie year. And he's been the best rookie quarterback by far this season. So he is a heavy favorite right now. It definitely is the smart bet. I think the only player who has a chance, if they turn it up to end the season, is Jamar Chase, but he's been in a slump dropped a wide open touchdown yesterday which was definitely very tilting uh that oh, ended up resulting that was Max Payne that was yep that ended up resulting in an interception so shout out to Jamar Chase but it's looking very grim for all of these other rookies in terms of offensive rookie of the year and the Patriots are the number one seed in the NFL right now if they go into Buffalo and get a state a statement W in this divisional game I-, I think it'd be hard for Mac Jones to not win it so but it's not worth betting on at minus 500
0: yeah and I mean I agree that Jamar Chase is the only one who, I mean he could turn up he had a good enough start that his stats are going to look really good at the end of the season the Bengals could go to the playoffs and you know I mean he definitely has had a Rough month, but he could turn up towards the end of the year. And you know, if they make a playoff run, it'll be interesting to see that. So at plus three fifty, I guess it's a decent bet. It's probably not a bet I would make. The only other player that's like remotely interesting is Jalen Waddle at like plus ten thousand, who's really been coming on, and his stats are going to be incredible at the end of the year. He's on pace for well over a hundred catches and a thousand yards as a rookie. So Jalen Waddle's looking good, but yeah, it's it's probably going to be Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. I mean. They would have to go on a mean losing streak for it to be anybody else. Yep, I agree. Another rookie story, man, Javante Williams. We finally got to see him in a game without Melvin Gordon, and the results were kind of everything that we had hoped for and more. I mean, this man had 23 attempts for 102 yards. Had six receptions for seventy six yards and a touchdown. I mean, this guy—I don't know what to say. I think he, I think he's the truth, and I really, really hope that we get Javante next year without any, you know, hardcore split like we've had all this year because he has the absolute potential to be a top five back in the league and a top five back in fantasy.
1: Yeah, one hundred percent. Things do have to break right for Javante in the off season. Melvin Gordon most likely has to leave. Uh, I think they have to move on from Teddy and get a quarterback, which I think Aaron Rodgers would be perfect for the Broncos at this point. Uh, we know Rodgers is most likely done in Green Bay after this season, barring you know some unexpected change in thought from him. So if the Broncos can get Rodgers, if they get rid of Melvin Gordon, which I think is more likely uh, than getting rid of Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams. I think has the upside to be, you know, a first round pick come twenty twenty two when we're when we're drafting, and he looked really good, man. Like he looks like a stud. I, I definitely think he is, you know, like a top five dynasty running back for sure. And I think he's better than Najee Harris too.
0: Oh yeah, it's hard to judge Najee right now just because the offensive situation is so bad. But yeah, I mean, not that it's great in Denver and Javante's yeah. still lighting it up. So. <laughs> Yeah, Javante Javante is a serious baller, so I think I think we'll be talking about him for years to come. Let me ask you this, man. Is it about to happen again with David Montgomery? Is it is it Demont December? because this happened last year where he just went on this historic stretch down the season, you know, in the off season, we talked about it being really matchup driven, but it looks like he's got some solid matchups to close out the season. What he did yesterday was great. 21 for 90 and one on the ground added eight catches for 51 yards. And that's kind of the thing that he hasn't been doing for the entire year is being, you know, a monster in the passing game, getting all that uh, reception volume like he did last year. But if he's going to be doing this down the stretch, Middling matchup against Green Bay next week, but for the fantasy playoffs, he gets Minnesota, Seattle, and the Giants. Like Demont is like headed towards the path of being a league winner for the second straight season.
1: Yeah, David Montgomery is definitely a league winner this year for sure. Great matchup coming up. The Bears have shown no incline to use Khalil Herbert, who looked really good and really explosive when David Montgomery was out with injury. They just made they just made him a bench warmer now. Like, Mm -hmm. he he comes in a little bit, but he doesn't touch the ball much, not enough to affect David Montgomery at all. And with Andy Dalton there, I think that is kind of the stone nuts for David Montgomery when you don't have the the rushing threat at quarterback and fields. But I would expect fields to be back for that playoff stretch. So we'll have to see how that hurts David Montgomery. But I, I definitely think that David Montgomery is one of the league winners to end this fantasy football season for sure just a great matchup and he's going to be utilized so heavily in this uh, Bears offense so you know I, I've I've hated on David Montgomery uh, didn't really like him before the season but it's looking like he uh, might win some people some fantasy championships this year and you know we're coming into the home stretch
0: yeah definitely I mean god like I was out on Demont last year and that killed me and I was out on Demont this year, and I feel I feel death incoming once again. So, last story for today, man. I don't know if you caught this. Odell Beckham Jr. scored a touchdown. Didn't do much on the day. He had five targets, two for twenty-eight, but he did get the touchdown. And he had a, he had a really interesting celebration. It looked like he was crawling, and then he stemmed himself. It was almost like a self-res from Call of Duty. Yeah. Are you familiar with that game? I don't know if you play. <laughs>
1: I mean. I think you're more familiar with uh, self reses than anybody else I know, to be honest.
0: (laughs) That's Cap.
1: That's no Cap.
0: I'm surprised you even knew, because I I didn't know if you played Cod anymore. Like, I don't even know if you're going to be on this week when the new map comes out for Warzone.
1: Bro, you're talking to the best Call of Duty player you know. (laughs) You're talking to the IGL. If you're listening and don't know what IGL is, it's in-game leader. That's you? I'm the leader of the squad, bro. Nah, but definitely a a funny celebration. One of the one of the better ones of the year. And then he played it up afterwards. That was pretty funny. Uh, he played it up too. Yeah, I didn't he, even see yeah, that. That's a, up. that's hilarious. Um, that's funny. So yeah, that that was that was a pretty lit celebration. And you know, if you if you play uh, Warzone, you you would definitely know what he was doing. When I saw that, I'm like, this, this guy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know Odell's a Warzone player cuz there was streams. like a YouTube video of him playing with like swag and stuff and Tim the Tapman retweeted the the celebration so you know shout out to Odell tuning in it's a, it's a good week to be doing the COD stuff it's it's going to be a huge uh, huge week for gaming this week with the New yep. map coming out for Warzone. Super, super excited for that. And that's going to be it for episode 185 of the DFS Dose podcast, man. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the DFS Dose, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carey and DFS. We will be back on Thursday with a first look at the week 14 NFL DFS slate. For more NFL DFS content, check out our YouTube channel, the DFS Dose, where we produce multiple videos per week and live stream on Saturdays finally you can connect with us on our free discord channel the link to join that is in the show notes to the podcast if you're listening out there just know that we appreciate you we value you until next time let's stay accountable and keep it authentic